It is estimated that as many as 30% of women can experience moderate to severe PMS and 5 to 8% of those are actually suffering severe PMS. So how does that show up in our lives, not only in our personal lives, but when we're trying to run a business, when we're trying to be mothers, when we're trying to go to work and we're suffering, our bodies are suffering with severe PMS and many other, you know, challenges that we have to face as women like menopause or even just being pregnant, right? That's going to cause some other issues. So our bodies have to go through a lot and we're trying to we're trying to keep our shizzle. We're trying to keep our shizzle together and still boss it every day. So welcome to The Money Honey, the show that brings together women in finance, construction and property. And today I am covering all angles today where we are being uh, blessed with Claire Knox, such an experienced, qualified and super money honey for the show today. Claire Knox runs a business called See Her Thrive. She's going to give us an intro about herself, but I just wanted to briefly mention that I basically um, was approached by um, Claire's PA slash social media manager on Instagram who saw me talking about the money, honey. So they proactively came to me. And I love that. I love it when people are proactive and then they put their hand up and they say, hey, we've got something to say. We've got something of value. We want to help. And so I had to invite Claire on the show. I've been following her journey now for a little while. I know she's got awards here, there, left, right, and center. She's got, you know, qualifications. Um, so she can really bring home, you know, she can really talk to us about um, so because, sorry, she can talk to us about PMS and all these um, uh, physical uh, challenges that we have to deal with in our workplace, because she's actually on the board of directors for the International Associ Association, can't say that fast, for premenstrual disorders. Um, so she's obviously got the, the, the governing body around her, the, the, the supportive group network around her to give us, you know, the best of her knowledge. She's a qualified psychologist and she's in the construction space. So, yeah, I am going to shut up now. I'm going to let her talk and do the intro. So let's kick things off. There she is. Hello, Claire. Hi, Roz. It's so lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you for making yourself available because, you know, when I read your profile and, you know, I thought this is a busy gal. So the fact that you made yourself available for this is um, so appreciated. Thank you so much. I've never had anyone on the show to talk about this angle that we're about to cover today. So this is super important. I know the Money Honeys listening are going to love it. So please give us an intro into who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. And and you've already you've already started that. So thank you. So I'm I'm Claire. I'm the founder, um, CEO, and business psychologist at See Her Thrive. And I'll probably start with a bit of a, a backstory as to why See Her Thrive exists. So I live with a condition called premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD for short. And you mentioned in your intro, severe PMS and the fact that five to 8% of people live with severe PMS. And P 
that is PMDD um, and that's that's what I live with and um, I was a secondary school teacher battling you know every month battling these horrific symptoms didn't know what on earth was going on I thought I was broken um, and really struggled to function both at work but it had an impact on relationships friendships my social life Um, and when I looked at what support was available in terms of, of workplace support, there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And I realized that it's not just PMDD, but also if we take things like endometriosis, polycystic ovary syndrome, he, you know, heavy menstrual bleeding, periods in general and menstrual health, all the way through to menopause. Um there was just this huge, huge gap in workplace awareness, conversations, support. And so I thought, you know what, I'm, I need to change this. I, I'm, I need to do something about this. So I retrained in business psychology, specializing in, in women's health in the workplace and set up See Her Thrive. And now we go into companies and provide training, education, development all around um, menstrual health, menopause, reproductive health, all of those things that we haven't talked about, we blow the conversation wide open. Right, so I'm writing down some notes because I I, want to talk about this later on social media and stuff, but um, look, the, the, the topic of even just a period, right? Imagine working for a male boss, right? Yeah. I've been there. I've always had a male boss, right? Uh, up until my latest job where I had a female boss and she was the best ever. But so were all my other male bosses. They were all amazing in their own way. But why was it that I couldn't have that conversation when I was struggling that month, you know, when I was really brain fogged, fatigued, really struggling, really like bloated. And I just felt like I just wanted to curl up. And I don't actually think in comparison to what I've heard other people suffer with PMS, I don't think what I have is anywhere near as bad as that. So I can't even imagine how bad it is. It does get bad sometimes, but how can women have those conversations with their boss if we're, if we're struggling? It's it's a taboo subject, right? Yeah, it's such a good question. And if we, if we zoom out a little bit and think about where this stigma comes from and where we're kind of conditioned in uh, thinking, believing that these conversations are not appropriate for the workplace. That's that's the narrative that we've had for a very long time. And that starts at school. And I'm not sure about you, but when I think about the period education I had at school, um, the, the girls were taken to a classroom, the boys were sent out to play football, and a woman came into school with this box of free samples of um, pads and tampons and we were told you know you're you're we must have been what nine maybe maybe a little bit older you're gonna you know you're gonna go through this thing called puberty you're gonna grow hair in places you've never had it before you're gonna get boobs and all these things are gonna happen and you're gonna get this these things called periods I'm still waiting for boobs oh well that never happened for me (laughs) that never happened (laughs) I can wear strapless dresses, silver yeah, lining. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so 
meanwhile, the boys from day one were told, you are not part of this conversation. This is yeah. not your business. You've got nothing, you know, you, you are not involved. And we wonder why it's so difficult to talk about these things at work when it, it kind of starts from a very, very young age. And so having that conversation with, with a manager, especially a male manager, I think accepting that it might be uncomfortable. These are not things that we talk about every day, but accepting that, well, actually, a lot of critical conversations are generally difficult and uncomfortable, but that's okay. We can we can work through that. Um, and it's natural, isn't it? It's a natural process that that we go through. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And there are ways to talk about it that are, you know, right and appropriate and comfortable for you. We're not saying you should go into work, wave your period products around and say, I'm on my period. Yeah. You are struggling, you need support, perhaps you're, you know, you need a hand or, or something like that at work if you are, particularly with conditions like PMDD and endo and, and the other things we've mentioned, then having that conversation is the way you're going to get that support. Yeah, exactly. I think you, it's so true. Like when you're, um, when you're young at school, you have those conversations with, um, yeah, the female class. And now like the, the boys aren't part of it from day one. Um, and then it just automatically it just becomes that something you just can't speak to your, even your dad about it. Like I remember just when I was on my period, I was like, oh my God, I can't let my dad realize that that's what, and that actually created a bit of a friction between my, me and my dad and my brother in terms of like, if I, if they didn't know what was going on with me and my body and my, um, my mental state at that moment, that's why they perhaps didn't understand like certain reactions or certain emotions. So mm-hmm. Um, and then now in the workplace, you know, if you have a male boss or male colleagues and, you know, they're all like, oh, right. So after work, we're going to go out for drinks and we're going to do this. And then you feel like you have to keep up with that. And you're like, how am I meant to keep up with this when I just want to like just tuck myself in bed? So, you know, do you feel like that physical condition, that physical pain that we have to go through holds us back in the development of our career? I think for people who are debilitated by their menstrual cycle in some way I think people whose life is affected by that because of an underlying condition um yes yeah because the systems the structures the processes the cultures we've built are based on the male body um and and as you know as females and as people with a with a menstrual cycle we have different ebbs and flow in our energy we have different needs and you've just mentioned a really great example of of things like socializing networking and those things that can really boost our political capital in the workplace and we know that women can be excluded and this goes beyond periods and menstrual cycles this is if we bring in things like childcare and caring responsibilities if you've got after work drinks, what if you are the person who's the main caregiver? You're picking up the kids. And um, yeah, so we know that 
these things can and do exclude women. Um, and also at the same time, this is how people get on in their careers. You know, it's being seen, yeah. it's being visible, it's being part of that network, that club. You know, we've, we've seen it, the boys club. We know it yes. exists. And yeah. Yeah, that is definitely something that I've had to quietly suffer with. And not that I had to, but I have suffered, you know, in silence where, um, like I said, I don't think I'm in the statistic of like the five to eight percent of women who suffer severe PMS. Um, but then I also am surrounded by senior uh, women in leadership who are in leadership and now are suffering with menopause. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So they got to a level in their career and now they have to try and maintain that. But now they, they're a new version of themselves and they're trying to, uh, you know, learn about their bodies again. You know, do you, how do you come across that in, in your line of work and what do you do for, for those women? Yeah. So we, we say this a lot, people who are really at the, the kind of top of their career, they've, they've climbed the ladder. Um, they've, they've always been, an A player, if you like, and really good at multitasking, managing multi multiple projects, very efficient, very confident, um, very, very good at their jobs. So very competent, highly skilled, experienced people. Perimenopause hits and those symptoms start to creep in. And one thing we don't often talk about is the impact that it can have on confidence. If you're grappling with things like brain fog, and all of a sudden you're dropping balls left, right and center and you're forgetting things, you're showing up to meetings at the wrong time, you're just generally not able to perform perhaps at the pace or the level that you have done previously because you're dealing with these symptoms. Um, and for some people, they don't even know that it's perimenopause. In fact, for a lot of people, because the education around menopause is so poor um, and, you know, don't connect the dots. But that the impact that can have on confidence, what we're saying is women aren't putting themselves forward for promotion because they're worried that they're not going to be able to do the job. Um, we see that women are reducing their hours, stepping back, on leaving the workforce altogether because of the impact of symptoms. And often it's not just the symptoms, but it's everything we've talked about in not being able to say, hey, I'm really struggling, I need some support. Um, not being able to say that. And then the organization perhaps not being proactive in providing that support. So that's where we we work with clients and um, we provide menopause training for managers, for teams, to build that awareness, to help people understand how serious this is, you know, on an individual level, but also to, to the business. And yeah, we, we help managers to be able to have those conversations, to provide support, but also we help women through coaching and support to navigate that in the workplace and overcome some of those new challenges that perhaps haven't been there before I mean I know at least 
between five and 10 women that have not only been on the show, but listened to the show that as soon as this is launched, they're going to be like, Whoa! oh my God, like they're going to, they're going to jump on this immediately. You know, I can already see people I can connect you to and, um, you know, bring you further into the financial services sector, um, at least in my, um, my sphere of influence and in my circles, because I know that the women I look up to, um, have been struggling with this, right? And it's probably, it's gonna, you know, I haven't got kids yet, but it's gonna come for me, right? It's, there's gonna be that moment where I'm gonna have to decide between um, a PTA meeting or, you know, an industry event. It's gonna come to the point where I've got to decide between whether I go to those networking drinks and, you know, smash my competitors out the park or if I go home and nurse my child. Like those conversations are gonna happen in the future. And, they are scary conversations to 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 have um because we identify you know as as women who have a business or are in a senior position or love their job whatever level they're at we identify with that don't we we that's who we are and we hold so much importance there so i wanted to ask as well about the link with construction what's that about yeah. so tell us yeah. about that um, so we've we've worked with or we, we've spoken at different events, different construction events, and actually it's that's often been a result of women's networks reaching out to us um, and saying, you know, we we really want to blow the conversation open. We're not talking about this, um, and we you know we recognise that this is a really important thing that we we want to to cover and talk about, and. At these various events, talking to women in construction, I mean, it's been so eye-opening. So I remember having a um, having a chat with an archaeologist and she said, you know, we are expected to go out on site. Um, it's, it's just part of the job. And there are no toilets. So if you're on your period, like, what do you do? You're in the middle of nowhere. There's there's not even a toilet. And for men, for males, that's not so much of an issue. But she's like, I it really, I really struggle with that. And for me, that was like, oh my God, I hadn't even thought of that. I when I think of work, I think about, and this is a bias I've got, and I have to really work on this. My brain goes to offices, you know, people who are in offices who are actually very privileged because they've got access to washrooms, potentially period products and things like that. But when we think about construction, we've got people who are out on site um, who might not have access. Um, and then the physical demands of that. I also talked to her and said, I would not be able to do that in the days leading up to or during my period because I haven't, I'm, my fatigue is so bad. What would that mean to me? Would I would I be fired because I couldn't do the job? Like, would there be flexibility around that? What, what would that mean? So it really opened my, my eyes. Um, and I've had subsequent, subsequent conversations around things like misogyny and sexism and people talking about, you know, they go on a site and it's the cat calling and it's the being mistaken for the secretary when they're the architect and they're the project manager. 
so there's so much still to do um but we're we're really confident that little by little we'll you know we'll we'll get there but it's yeah it's yeah oh my gosh so I used to be on a construction site um because I used to do construction recruitment and this was my first job coming out of university it's got nothing to do with my degree um pretty much nothing I do has got anything to do with my degree if I'm honest with you like I literally just have a degree (laughs) I literally just have a degree and then just do everything else outside of the degree um but anyway I went into construction um into recruitment and I used to hire uh, senior like project managers quantity surveyors so what we call white collar uh, I don't know if that's even a term is that still used I think it must be anyway, white collar instead of blue collar oops um sorry about that background um anyway so I remember having to go from the office so I would be doing my office stuff um, you know, calling, doing the business development and finding candidates and things like that. And then my other part of the job was, right, hard hat on, high viz. And I'd still be in my like office attire with like my heels and things like that. And then I'd be on site um, with, you know, this like, you know, power suit on, but with my high viz and, and um, hard hat. So already it was like, attention see it was like it was I wouldn't say I was attention seeking but it called attention because I was the only female on the site so if I would then go on site and be like oh hi can I speak to the project manager please because you know I've placed this grown-ass man on this site like I I am responsible for this project manager working on this development yet you guys are treating me like I'm here to do like a cabaret show like like no recognition whatsoever to you know, what part I played in finding a really qualified, experienced and reputable uh, candidate for that role. And then I'm on site and they just think I'm there like to have a laugh. And you know what, looking back now, I quietly took it. I just took it like I was 22 years old, 23. Like I wasn't going to be there. Like, excuse me, you are speaking to the future money, honey here. Like I wasn't that sassy back then. I just took it because I just thought this is what people do. Like, this is it. This is, like, what the construction life is like. It's really hard, though, isn't it? I think sometimes, well, there's a number of things going on with that. So I think age is a function of this. Mm. You have the confidence. And if you're straight out of uni, you're still figuring out who you are, what you're about, I think it's a really big thing to be able to turn around to a group of males and be assertive. And also that environment can feel really threatening for for us as females. And I've tried to explain this to my husband. You know, you've got no idea what it's like as a female to approach a group of males and, and what that feels like. And there's a reason for that, you know, if we it's very Darwinian, isn't it? And evolutionary, but it's protection. It 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 raises our threat level. But if we, you know, that's applicable to any scenario that potentially there there are groups of males and we are in the minority. Um and yeah, just feeling that ooh, on edge. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it's it feels hostile sometimes. Yeah, it can do. And 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 do you know what? They don't know that that's going on. Like they don't know that that's what you're feeling. So again, it goes back to that communication. So um, I know that we can talk 
so much more about this. And I think there's some stuff we can definitely do offline as well in terms of like future engagements. Um, you know, if you'll have me, um, I'm sure there'll be ways oh. that we can collaborate. Um, but in the meantime, what are your closing thoughts or your final kind of top tips that you would like to leave the listeners with um, in this space that we're holding right now? What would you, you know, love for them to action? Maybe there's an action, maybe you've got some homework, maybe you've got a, a, a top book, I don't know, anything that you want to leave them with. Oh, oh, um, oh, I feel on the spot now. <laughs> Well, I think if, if this has spoken to you, first of all, and you think you might have PMDD, really, really important to reach out, get support, start doing some research on that. Um, and I can definitely share some some places to go. But IAPMD, IAPMD are really, really the, the best place to go for, for that information and support. I'm also happy to have a chat with anyone because I know it can be really daunting and a really lonely place. So that would be the first thing. Next, from a workplace perspective, if this has resonated with you and you're, you're thinking we could absolutely do something to make a change in our workplace and make things more inclusive for females, particularly, you know, the, the large percentage of people who are living with PMDD and or PCOS going through fertility treatment experiencing pregnancy loss you know all of those experiences that we can go through um get in touch reach out we can help um and to make things better to make a change it sounds really corny but we have to be the ones to pave the way for a different future like this has gone on for too long and mm. We, we need to level the playing field. So definitely reach out um, and let's talk about that. And then, oh, podcasts. So I listened to a really, really um, informative podcast recently, which I think if you're interested in hormones and that side of thing, it was the Huberman interview with Dr. Sarah Gottfried. So if, you know. I've heard of her. She's incredible. She's absolutely incredible. Uh, one of my absolute heroes. So, mm. yes, if you're interested in all things hormones and um, menopause and that kind of thing, I think you would you would really enjoy that. Nice. Okay. Wow, you have been very generous, Claire, very generous, not only with your time today, but you've even volunteered to have, you know, private conversations so that's really really generous of you um I will put in the show notes um your links to social media so that people can follow your journey and people can kind of connect with you and and know more about what you do um I've already jotted down for myself this is positive pollination this is part of the culture of Manuka Media and the money honey which is passing something on so some positively impacting somebody else you know like spreading that pollen spreading that magic so I've already uh, made a note of the two people I'd like to introduce you to which I think can open up you know speaking opportunities networking opportunities um, and really make a positive impact in financial services at least with the women that I know in this space uh, so I've done that um, so in the spirit of positive pollination who do you think would 
be a beneficial beneficial speaker on the Money Honey show that you would love to see because you think what they have to say is hugely, it, it, well, is in line with the Money Honey, but also it can be immensely uh, beneficial to the listeners. Anyone that you would nominate? Yes, so I would love to nominate uh, the founder of a, an organisation called Grace and Green, Frances Lovecraft, um, who she is an environmentalist by background and Grace and Green provide um, sustainable period products. And when you listen to Fran talk about the impact of products on the environment um it's and not only that but and I'm not going to mention any any other brands but the chemicals and harmful things that are in the you know the products we put up our vagina do you know what I mean (laughs) yeah in in our body we literally shove it in there and it's not good so so yeah Fran, I think, would be amazing. And, oh, my goodness, I'm sure there are lots of other people. Menopause, Diane Danzebrink, for sure, who leads the Make Menopause Matter campaign. Um, And she is such a trailblazer and another hero of mine. And, yeah. No, that's great. I think, no, that's (laughs) awesome. I think what would be amazing is um, to give them that kind of, positive nomination when uh, when the, your podcast is launched for example tag them in and be like look I spoke here you girls you know you should totally be there and if they want to be on it great if they don't that's absolutely fine but it'd be great for them to also get like a little mention a shout out from yourself if you want to and then I'm happy to reach out to them and invite them on the show if they if they want to be on it but for now Thank you for touching on such a subject that is quite sensitive and quite a delicate subject that is still a bit of a very much a taboo subject. And I hope that this encourages a lot of women to reach out, get help in whatever, you know, know, wherever they want to get that help from. But the main message of today is certainly two things for me. Number one, do not suffer in silence. And number two, get the men to be a part of this conversation. Let's not do it alone. We need them to be part of this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Claire. And I will chat to you offline, but thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye.